Good morning to everyone. You know, it's good to be here once again, and I praise and thank the Lord for giving me the opportunity once again to share God's Word to you this morning. To the online worshipers, good morning to all of you. I have friends and relatives, not only here but abroad, who are listening and joining us in an online worship service. Welcome to Ebenezer Community Alliance Church. Now this morning, let us talk about a Bible character in the Old Testament, a judge and a warrior who led the tribe of Israel against their invaders. But first, let us have a short history and background about Israel to give us clearer understanding what I am going to talk about this morning. Now, when Israelites were about to enter the promised land of Canaan under the leadership of Joshua, they were all told to destroy all the inhabitants of the land, never to leave anybody, including all their idols. Apparently, they did not obey. The Israelites did not obey. In fact, some of them got their wives from the Canaanites. They did exactly the opposite. When they were there, they even consulted the people in the land. What happened if there is no rain? Of course, these people taught them everything that is not from God. They forgot about their God who brought them out of Egypt. They forgot about the promises of God to them before they entered Canaan. Now upon entering Canaan, when they were there, they divided the land among themselves. This is for you, this is for you. And each tribe had their own land and chose their own leader. Because of their disobedience, problems arose and they were battered by surrounding nations. Now the Israelites started to cry to the Lord for help and the Lord delivered them, helped them by sending judges. Now judge here or judges here does not mean a judge in the court who decides whether you go to prison or not, whether you're guilty or not. A judge here rather means a deliverer, a leader of a tribe that can bring them to freedom from their oppressor. Now this morning we will study a story of a judge named Jephthah. He is coming from the tribe of God. The, oppress the, the oppressing nation who was attacking them were the Ammonites. From this story, let us take lessons that we can learn and get insights that we can apply it to our lives, to our daily lives. The title of the sermon this morning is Lessons to Learn from the Life of Jephthah based from the book of Judges, chapter 11, verses 1 to 11, 
and 29 to 40. The scripture reading that was read to us this morning. But first, let us ask God to give us the wisdom to listen intently and to use these lessons to share and apply it in our lives. Let us pray. Lord, I'm here once again to deliver your word. Not my word, O oh God, your word. I cannot do it by myself. I need you, Lord, to give me the wisdom, the courage. And, O oh Lord, I pray that you're going to give wisdom to each of the listeners, both live and online, O oh Lord, so that we can understand your word. Every word that is coming from you, that we can apply it in our lives and our daily lives. Bless the service this morning. And I pray, O oh Lord, and most especially, O oh God, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for the greatest gift that you have given to us. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What are the lessons we learn from this passage? Lesson number one. Lesson number one, when God calls us to do a task, personal background is not an issue. You know, in politics, our accomplishment is so important for people to vote for us. Right? Who our parents are, what our platforms and beliefs regarding political matters. If the, if the people find out that I am a son of a prostitute, I don't think so people will vote for me, isn't it? In fact, they will not, they will make what you call chismes or talk, or, or, or destroy me in a Facebook, in social media. I don't think so I can win as mayor of Sambuanga, or a congressman or senator for that matter. They will always criticize me. When we are applying for a job, our autobiography is important. We need to place character references. Of course, those character reference with good moral standard or, or not an ordinary people. Those character reference should be popular and occupy high position. We need to have a political pool for us to enter government service. We need to have a backer to accept in a certain job. I hear many public, I mean, teachers who apply in public school, so that they are looking for backers to back them up to take that position. But my friends, not with God. Not with God. He chooses as He pleases. We don't need character references. We don't need a backer. When God calls us to, to do a task for him, our personal background is not an issue. It does not matter to God where we are from. It does not matter if we are the son of the president of Kamakop 
or we are the son of a janitor. It does not matter to him if we are handsome or ugly, if we are intelligent or not, if we are tall or short. It does not matter to God. God does not use this, use this criteria in choosing us. When God, when Jesus chose the 12 disciples, not each one of the disciples was qualified. And yet, Jesus chose them. God does not look at our background, but He chooses as He pleases. Now in this story, the scripture that we read is about Jephthah. Now, Jephthah was called to lead his people to fight against the Amorites. Now, by the way, who is Jephthah? Now, Jephthah is the son of Gilead, a Gileadite from another mother who was a prostitute. When they were grown up, his half-brothers hated him and sent him out from their house and told him no inheritance from his father's house was given to him because he was an outcast. He was an illegitimate son that deserves nothing from the family. Jephthah must have felt bitter, even perhaps blaming his parents. Why was I born like this? Many times, we also curse God because of many unpleasant things happening to our lives. We are telling God, Lord, why am I here only to suffer this kind of insults and injuries and shame? But you know, God is good. And He is good all the time. He uses even unpleasant situations and convert those unpleasant situations in an opportunity to make good things work together for good for you. Jephthah must have felt so down, depressed, when he was expelled from his home because he was an illegitimate child. But God converted that situation into good. Not only that, God would make him a deliverer from an ordinary son or a bastard to a governor of a tribe. And the elders of the tribe chose him to be the leader. And, made, and, and what made the elders, what, what do you think, what made the elders choose him to be the leader? It's possible that they chose him because Jephthah, he was a valiant warrior as described in verse 1. But little did they know that Jephthah was chosen because God chose him and made things possible for him. It has been two years and four months since the start of the pandemic. COVID-19 is not yet done yet. In fact, it is increasing in Zamboanga, increasing. But praise the Lord, it's not deadly anymore. Unlike in 2020, the African variant 
and 2029, the Del 21 rather, the Delta variant. But there is another virus coming up. Monkey. Monkeypox. They are threatened and are afraid and patients are texting me, Doc, what is this? One virus is coming one after the other. Who do you think are going to blame when, when, when uh, COVID was, arose in 2020? We blame China. Who are you going to blame? Blame Africa? This pandemic and the recent uprising of monkeypox did not just happen by accident. Or the mistakes of people, but it has a purpose. And there is one more thing we can do, and that is stop blaming each other, but instead pray for one another and read God's word. Listen, God may often give us difficult situations so that God's power can be manifested in us. So that we will not depend on people, but depend on God who never fails. When God calls us to do a task for him, seemingly difficult, becomes easy through him. Lesson number two. Lesson number two, and this is very common. Never make unnecessary vows. Never make unnecessary vows. Many years ago, a certain man was sent for a masteral studies in a very distinguished school in Manila. After his study, he will be promoted in a managerial position. His study in school was so difficult that he underwent many hurdles and requirements. So he made a vow to the Lord. You know what his vow was? This was his vow. Listen carefully. Lord, if you let me pass in my schooling, and promote me to be a manager of this company, then I will totally stop smoking and drinking. That was his vow. Because he has been smoking and drinking since he was a child. Now this is the time to stop. I will make a vow, but Lord, let me pass. Promote me to a manager, then I will stop. To make the long story short, he passed the course with flying colors, promoted to a managerial position, but forgot about his vow to stop smoking and drinking. My friends, oftentimes we make vows and many times we break it. We make New Year's resolutions and turn it into vows that I will do this and do that. But we reason out, 
sapagkat tayo ay tao lamang nagkakamali. Jephthah also made a vow to the Lord. In verse 30 and 31, he said, If you will indeed give the sons of Ammon to my hands, then it shall be whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the sons of Ammon, it shall be, it shall be the Lord's and I will offer it as burnt offerings. So Jephthah crossed over to the sons of Ammon to fight against them and the Lord gave the Ammonites into his hands. He struck them with great slaughter and he conquered 20 cities and the sons of Ammon were subdued before the sons of Israel. When Jephthah came to his house, guess who? Who was the first person to welcome him when he came home? In verse 34, when Jephthah came to his house at Mizpah, behold, his daughter was coming out to meet him with tambourines and with dancing. Now she was his one and only child. Besides her, he had no son or daughter. Jephthah made a vow to the Lord in a rush. For sure, he regretted it. Making a vow that his only daughter was to be sacrificed. He was so down and depressed and troubled. In fact, he tore his clothes out of desperation. Perhaps that was the lowest point in his life. Lower than he was expelled from the house because he was an illegitimate son. Was it necessary for Jephthah to make a vow? Perhaps he made a vow to assure himself that God will make or give him the Ammonites into his hand. And eventually he becomes the governor of the tribe to overcome his pride that even though he's a son of a harlot or a prostitute. Because in verse 9, when the elders of Gilead asked him to fight against the Ammonites, his request was, if you take me back to fight against the sons of Ammon, and the Lord gives them up to me, will I become your head? There was pride in him to be the head because it will erase his background. He wants to redeem himself. And he is dictating God what to do. So he made a vow that he will give to God whatever he takes in his life just to redeem himself. He forgot. Regardless of his vow, God was the one who chose him. God chose him to be the judge of the Gileadite to deliver them from the Ammonites regardless if he is a son of a prostitute. Therefore, doing a vow to the Lord was not necessary. God will not be intimidated by our demands. God will not be distracted with our reasons. God will do 
Whatever he pleases then, whether we are coming from an unpleasant background or not. God gave the desire to Jephthah to win. But Jephthah must pay the price. A terrible price. It was God's plan to bring them to the promised land. God just wanted them to obey everything that he commanded them to do. God is compassionate even if they disobeyed. God's eyes were still with the Israelites. Looking after them and seeing them through. In spite of the mistakes, God was doing his work for them and to make their path straight. Jephthah thought, Jephthah thought that God will only answer his request if he makes a vow to the Lord. He thought that that vow will convince God to help destroy the Ammonites. The answer is never. The vow was needed, was not needed because God knew their hardships and difficulties and he is going to find a way to help the Israelites regarding, regardless whether you make a vow or not. God knows the difficulties and hardships we undergo because of this pandemic. The COVID-19. All God wants us to do is just to obey. Obey his words. Obey his commands. And follow what he says to us. That's what he wants. There are no drastic changes that are needed in our part. God just wants us to completely trust in him. And obey what he says. How are we going to know what God says to us unless we read where God is telling us, which is the book, the Bible that tells us? Let us spend time reading God's word. The command of the Lord can be summarized into two. Love God and love your neighbors. If we love God, then we will not worship idols. If we love our neighbors, then we will not steal, kill, or covet and hurt our neighbors. We don't need to make vows to God. We just obey God's commandment to us. Why is it that right to make vows? What does Jesus say about vows? Now let me bring you to Matthew 33, verse 33. What did Jesus say about vows? Again, you have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not make false vows but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, 
for it is the footstool of, the, of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your statement be yes, yes or no. Anything beyond this is evil. That means we are told by Jesus not to make any vows because making this kind of vow is from the devil. We don't need to include innocent people in our vows, especially our parents. Some Christians, when they make vow, when they owe people money, they make a vow. And what is their vow? They said, I will pay you, promise, bayaran kita, cross my heart, pexman, mamatay pa ang biyanan ko. Pati biyanan, nasali sa bao, kawawa naman. My friends, that is from the devil. It's either you say yes or no. Anything beyond is evil. Lesson number three. Lesson number three, think first before you talk. Think first before you talk. There is a saying that says, approve without thinking. Now, this is common among drug companies. When they approach the doctor, when the doctor says, can you do this? Dipatapusan doctor, approve without thinking. Do you believe in that principle? Do you follow that principle? You may not approve of that saying, but many Christians, many Christians are following that principle unknowingly and come to realize what they said is totally wrong. Usually, it happens when you're anxious, when you're in fear, you're worried, you're in despair, or sometimes when you're angry. Our mind works instantaneously in a twinkling of an eye. Studies have showed that man, you and I, when they make decision, is almost always based on emotions. You agree with me? Almost always based on emotions and logic comes after. Initially, your son may ask you and you said yes. Later on you realize it's wrong. Then you say no. Because we use our emotions. And then when logic comes and you find out it's not right, you change it to no. That's why this lesson, think first before you talk. The Apostle Peter is an example of who does not, who talks first before thinking. Before Jesus was crucified, three people approached Jesus. Uh, no, before Jesus was crucified, Peter promised and told Jesus, I will never deny you or abandon you. But three people approached him and says, on the night before Jesus was crucified, whether he knew Jesus and then he said no. Three times he denied 
When the rooster crowed, he remembered. See? Peter also is an example who acts first before thinking. When, when, the, when the soldiers went to the garden of Gethsemane, Peter pulled the sword and cut the ear of the Roman soldier. Peter acted ahead before thinking. But mind you, don't think of Peter. Think about us. We are the modern Peter. Think about yourself. We are guilty of that attitude, isn't it? That is our natural tendency to be impulsive. I hope when somebody courts you for young ladies, when, you say, when he says, I love you, and then you say, I love you, the following day say, no, I don't love you. Siguro, when you found and realized, when you use your logic. We react right away. To retaliate right away without thinking first. The consequence of our action. They say, when you want to counsel a friend, whose friend who is under depression, it's better for you just to keep quiet and be on your side. Because if you're not ready and you say something, you will worsen the scenario. Instead of helping that person, the person will become even more depressed. Jephthah, in our story, did not think first. He talked he talk he, he talk first before thinking. He did not only talk, he made a vow to God. He did not think first that when he gets home, when we get home, naturally when you get home, the first person who will welcome in his family is your own family to celebrate your victory. He did not think about that. Of course, when he gets home, he is his only daughter. Siyempre, sino mag-welcome sa kanya? Yung do- hindi niya inisip yun. Akala niya, lalabas una yung mga kambing tsaka yung mga sheep. Kasi yun ang i-offer niya. It's too late because we don't think first before we talk. The lesson that we can learn here is not only to think first, but above all, to pray first. Because if it is from God, for certain, you will not make a mistake. Lastly, last but not the least, raising up an obedient daughter. Many years ago, there was a story about a young Christian lady. Her parents and siblings were also Christian. She was practically raised in a Christian family. However, she fell in love with a non-Christian man. When her mother found out that her relationship with her, her mother advised her not to get married to a non-believer. But she insisted because she claimed to be old enough to make her decision. And besides, she said, I am madly in love with this man. Eventually, they got married. 
But their love story did not end like in the Walt Disney for they live happily ever after. It did not. Instead, she was battered until the end. She had three children, daughters, practically raised them by herself with no financial support from her husband. She was not only abused emotionally and financially, but also physically. Many times she had bruises in her body and face, but her parents and siblings did not know about this. In one of her emotional counseling, she was asked what in her life that she regretted most. And she said, the one that she regretted most in life when she disobeyed her mother. In the Garden of Eden, the first sin that Adam and Eve made was disobedience. Adam and Eve disobeyed by eating the forbidden fruit in the tree of the garden. When the Israelites entered Canaan, the sin they made was disobedience. They disobeyed almost all the commands of the Lord. When Jephthah's daughter found out that her father made a vow to the Lord, she did not curse her father. She did not. She did not get angry or get furious. Why did you make a vow? She did not. Even though she knew she was the one to be sacrificed, she just obeyed her father. There is one thing she requested to go on two months break with her friends. In the two months break, she could have run away. She could have broken her virginity that she will not be fit for sacrifice. But what did she say? She said in verse 36. Verse 36. Slide please. My father, you have given your word to the Lord. Do to me as you have said, since the Lord has avenged of your enemies, the sons of Ammon. This morning I wonder how many of our children who are willing to obey and sacrifice so much for their parents, for the love of their parents. Willing to give their lives for the mistake of their parents. It was the mistake of Jephthah. He made unnecessary bow and yet the daughter did not see it as a mistake. But, his, but she saw it in another angle to save her father from breaking the vow. She is an example of an obedient daughter. You know, when God chooses us to be used for his glory, when God chooses us to be used for his glory, our human criteria to be good, righteous, and holy is not counted. God showed his love to us, not because we love him first, but he first loved us even before. 
He loved us not because we are good, but God is good all the time. When God, when grace, grace is when God gives us good things we don't deserve. Mercy, when He spares us from bad things we deserve. Blessings are when He is generous with both. Truly, we can never run out of reasons to thank Him. God is good all the time. Let us look at the life of Jephthah. Jephthah is one of the greatest Bible characters. A great warrior, a deliverer. But there are many things in his life that we should not follow or pattern after. Let us look at the lives. First, when God calls us, our resume is not important. Second, never make unnecessary vows. Thirdly, think first before we talk. And lastly, it is a blessing to raise an obedient daughter. Those are lessons that we can learn, that we can pattern, but there are these things that we should not follow what Jephthah did. But there is one person in the Bible that we should imitate and follow, and that man is Jesus. He is our gold standard and to imitate and to follow. There is no single defect that we can see in his life here on earth. And the greatest teaching that Jesus taught us is to love one another, to do love those who hate us, to forgive those who trespass against us. He told us before we can be a master, we must be a servant. And the greatest gift that Jesus gave to us when he went to the cross to die for us. We deserve to die, but God does not want us to die. Instead, Jesus died for us. All because, all because, listen to this, all because of God's stubborn love to us. All that God wants us to do is to share that love to others too. Let us ask God to give us the courage, courage and boldness to share Jesus to our classmates, to our office mates, co-teachers, to our students, relatives, even to our own parents who do not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord. Let us not be selfish, but share our Jesus to them. Let me end with this statement. Knowing Jesus is the greatest gift we can receive. But sharing him to others is the, is the greatest gift that we can give. 
Let us pray. Lord, we thank thee for your word. We thank you, O God, for your love. I pray, Lord, even as we have learned the lessons from the life of Jephthah, there are many things, Lord, that Jephthah did that we should pattern after. But there is one man in the Bible, Jesus Christ, that we should imitate and follow. Jesus is our gold standard. Remind us always, O oh Lord, to follow and imitate Jesus. To obey what he says and obey his commands. Lord, I pray as we depart from this place, may you put that words, your word, not only in their minds, but also in our hearts, that we will practice it in our daily lives. And we thank thee, O God, for the answers to our prayers. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.